It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Dave Anthony. Today, a focus on something so powerful. There is a push to declare it a weapon of mass destruction. Fentanyl, a drug that is more prevalent on the streets these days, flowing across the southern border and blamed for a majority of the 107,000 overdose deaths across America last year. And that push to declare fentanyl a WMD? comes from a group of attorneys general across the country, which wants a stronger federal push by Homeland Security and the DEA to stop the smuggling. Now, the other day we talked to Nate Mollering, who knows all about the power of fentanyl. He is a recovering addict who survived overdoses and then turned his life around and is now trying to help others as executive vice president at Fort Wayne Recovery and Allendale Treatment in Indiana. And he had way more to say about fentanyl than we could include in our regular rundown podcast on Tuesday. And it is definitely worth hearing. So today, we give you the entire conversation. We thank you for listening and ask you to subscribe to the rundown. If you already have, we appreciate it. And now, Nate Mollering on the Fox News Rundown Extra. Joining us on the Fox News Rundown is Nate Mollering. He is Executive Vice President of Fort Wayne Recovery and Allendale Treatment in Indiana. Fentanyl certainly has been a big focus lately. It is the drug that is causing so many overdoses and overdose deaths across America, over two-thirds of them in the last year, according to the CDC And there is a push by some attorneys general in the U.S. to declare fentanyl a weapon of mass destruction. First of all, Nate, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Grateful to be here. And second, what do you think of this new push? What do you think of fentanyl as a weapon of mass destruction? Fentanyl certainly is a weapon of mass destruction. If you take the simple fact that a pure kilo of fentanyl can kill 500,000 people alone, uh, I think that qualifies it as a weapon of mass destruction. Uh, And it's also being used to be the leading cause of death for individuals in America ages 18 to 45. That outpaces COVID, it outpaces accidents, it outpaces homicides and suicides, all put together in the last two years. So not only is it an incredibly potent drug, Um, It's something that can be used as a weapon. We know that. And it is being used as a weapon, if you ask me, in my opinion. So I think classifying it as a weapon of mass destruction is a great start to really kind of ratcheting down on all the fentanyl that's pouring into the United States and maybe putting some stiffer penalties behind it when people are caught trafficking and distributing it. Explain to me fentanyl. I mean, this I know it's a very powerful drug. How has it become the scourge that it is? Well, fentanyl, number one, it's synthetic. That's something to remember, which means it's man-made. Heroin, opium, things like that are not man-made. So what you have to do with things like heroin and opium, you need to have poppy plants. You have to have fields. You have to protect these fields 
from other criminal organizations or government organizations that come through and burn them or destroy them. Then you have to have your workers harvest the fields. Then you have to have to. So what they do is they cut the flower. And what happens is this this kind of paste develops out of this cut and they scrape that off and then they take that and they turn it into opium or heroin or morphine. Um, so with fentanyl, it's simply a concoction of chemicals. So it's very easy to produce in a laboratory. And that's really why it became so popular among criminal organizations. Yeah. So what we've seen is um, it's 50 times stronger than heroin and 100 times stronger than morphine. Wow. And if you've ever had morphine, morphine's pretty strong, right? We, yeah. They use that when um, soldiers are wounded. Uh, they use that in the hospital after somebody has surgery oftentimes. And fentanyl is also used for that. But fentanyl used in a controlled setting is very different than uh, used on the street. Medical yeah. fentanyl is very different from illicit fentanyl. Right. So medical fentanyl, so, you can you can take mm-hmm. medical fentanyl, but that isn't deadly. What as much, I mean, you uh, you can obviously abuse anything, but sure. it's, it's, it's what fentanyl is being mixed with, right, that's causing a lot of the problems. Oh, yeah. Well, fentanyl was designed for basically end-of-life pain. Uh, people on hospice... Or they use it for conscious sedation. When you're having surgery, um, they use it to relax people. They use it to uh, relax them while they're operating, while they're using maybe like a sight-numbing medication. So the fact that fentanyl is so powerful is, is part of the issue, and that's why it is certainly a WMD. But the reason it became such an issue in the United States was when these criminal organizations found out that they could make this man-made substance that was very powerful. They began to focus solely on that. It's very cheap to make, whereas a kilo of heroin at one point, I think, cost $70,000, and a kilo of fentanyl was closer to $3,000. So it's more potent. So then you have your kilo of heroin. What the Mexican drug cartel started doing was taking their kilos of heroin and cutting them into four kilos, but not only was it – they weren't just using a cutting agent that was maybe – that didn't have anything in it. They were using fentanyl. So now you have more – heroin and it's even more potent so you're quadrupling if not even higher your profit margins right so that's why it became so prevalent in the heroin supply and and to this day you really can't even find heroin on the street everything pretty much is pure fentanyl or something laced with fentanyl okay all right now as far as uh pills or how how are people taking fentanyl i know there are people who are being killed taking medicine, not knowing fentanyl's in it, or drugs. What what else is it in? So fentanyl is becoming a huge issue in regards to these fake prescription pills that are being pushed online and on the street. They're being pushed on the street because uh, that's where most illegal drugs are pushed. But one of the things that has really changed the game is them being pushed online, especially on social media to children. Um, they use apps like Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, uh, and they use these with fake accounts and they do that. So when, when some, when they sell somebody a fake pill and say that they get caught or they pass away, law enforcement has a very tough time tracking that person down. What are they advertising so that is, pill is? What are they advertising they're selling? They're often advertising they're selling Percocet. So when we had the big pill boom in the United States, all these pill mills turning out these pills that they were diverting to the street, one of the most popular ones was known as oxycodone 30 roxy 30 oxy 30 blues little blue pill with an m on one side and a 30 on the other it was an instant release oxy oxycodone pill so what they've done is they've gone back and said okay this pill was very popular so 
Percocet is one of the most commonly known forms of, of an opiate, right? Right. So that they bought pill presses off Amazon. You can do this. It's very easy. And you can buy the blue dye. And they bought cutting agents. The, the two primary cutting agents are acetaminophen and xylosine. Xylosine is an animal tranquilizer. And then the third ingredient is fentanyl. So what they'll do is they'll market it to young people, to adults, people who wouldn't buy a bag of just pure fentanyl and say, hey, well, I have Perk 30s. Uh, and a lot of people take these as a recreational drug. Or they'll try to buy them off the street because they're trying to save money when it comes to prescription medications. Gotcha. Right. So they're often marketed as legitimate Percocet. They're even marketing as uh, they have uh, knockoff Vicodin. They have knockoff Xanax and knockoff Adderall. Those are the four most common that we've seen. And fentanyl so is are unsuspecting. And fentanyl is added to that. Fentanyl is ninety-nine times out of a hundred the only active ingredient in these pills that would be an opiate. So it's it's not even that it could be oxycodone mixed with fentanyl. It's fentanyl. They're just selling it as oxycodone. It's not oxycodone whatsoever. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And so people take it, they don't realize how powerful it is, and they're overdosing. And that is, yep. and so that's really going on every day across America, essentially. Every single day across America, we're losing about 300 people a day, um, which is an astronomical number. It's the equivalent of basically an airliner crashing every single day in the United States. So what happens is a lot of times is people buy this pill and they take it. And the thing people need to watch out for. So we'll talk to a lot of people who say, yes, I use these perk 30s and I haven't had an overdose yet. The quality control on them is wildly inconsistent. You could have a bag of 10 of these, take the first nine and be totally fine. That last pill you take, number 10, could have a lethal dose of fentanyl. A lethal dose of fentanyl is two milligrams, which is two little grains of salt worth of fentanyl. Jeez. So we've had coroner's reports come out where people had 10 milligrams of fentanyl, five times the amount that can cause death in their system when they pass away. So that's the problem is the quality control. There is no quality control. You know this because you've lived it, right? I mean, you have, have, have changed and been able to turn your life around. You got a chance that others aren't getting where you recovered from what you have dealt with and you're still recovering. I know you are, you know, with Fort Wayne recovery as the executive vice president, but you were on the other side of that before all this. I absolutely was. I was a story of, a, of an individual who struggled with social anxiety as a kid, struggled with depression, didn't really have the emotional intelligence or the language to share that with other people. Wasn't sure how to talk about it. Long story short, I ended up um, getting injured playing football in high school. And this was back in, I think, 2008. Um, and so they put me on a prescription of Percocet. And I had three different shoulder injuries throughout high school. And so I got prescription drugs very regularly. And I ended up playing football in college. And I had more injuries, more pain pills. And then what happened in the 2010 era, um, they started to shut down 
a lot of these pill mills that were just handing out pills like candy to people. So, and they did that. That was a good thing, right? That's a very good thing. Right. So you couldn't and, get the prescriptions well, like you were getting. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And this was felt across America, right? We, we thought we were doing a great thing, shutting down all these pill mills. And it was good. What we didn't think about, you have all these people that are physically and psychologically addicted to opioids. Their supply is gone. So the Mexican drug cartel stepped up, right? These are multi-billion dollar a year organizations. They're basically, they're just illegal corporations is what they are. They're very intelligent. They said, we're going to start to produce powder heroin as opposed to black tar, because black tar, you had to, you had to inject. We're going to produce powder heroin. You can snort, you can smoke, you can inject. Um, so they came out with this new product and they, and they marketed it beautifully. By the time that I had moved to heroin, opioid prescription medications on the street were about a dollar per milligram. So if you were taking 80 milligrams twice a day of Oxycontin, you're looking at a $160 a day habit, where you could go buy a gram of heroin, which has typically about 10 uses in it for 50 bucks. So that's obviously very attractive to an addict. Yes. But then absolutely. that heroin becomes fentanyl over time. What we saw was a major shift in about 2013. Um, China was the leading producer of fentanyl, illicit fentanyl worldwide, and they still are. So they began to produce this very cheap, very potent substance and ship it to Mexico, where they found more than willing partnerships with the Mexican drug cartels to mix the fentanyl at first into the heroin supply. Um, and then slowly but surely, fast forward to 2022, all that's on the street is fentanyl. So in my story in 2017, I lived in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I was homeless and I had begun, you know, I was still using, I was using heroin, right? And the heroin supply was heavily tainted with fentanyl. Um, but a lot of people were still unaware that this was happening, myself included to a certain extent. Okay. And you didn't realize you were taking fentanyl to the degree you were taking it. I did not know. I was trying to get a hold of heroin. Most people who are opiate users who struggle with addiction look for things like heroin over fentanyl fentanyl since it's so potent has a very short half-life okay heroin is heroin has a much longer half-life and it's a much very rarely does anyone actually overdose on heroin so it's you, a much so, so the high lasts right? longer is what you're saying it's what lasts much longer and it's much more predictable okay right? it's, okay it's a more stable substance if you would more stable chemical so fentanyl is extremely potent, but it's incredibly hard to dose. So by the time it was 2017, the majority of heroin had fentanyl in it. And what I bought was something that unbeknownst to me was probably pure, uh, mostly fentanyl. So you and did I you had, so you overdosed, I'm assuming. Yes. And this wasn't my first overdose. I, I had at least and some people call them poisonings now because if you're buying something and, and somebody laces in something that could potentially kill you, right? Like if I gave you a glass of water and it was spiked with arsenic, that'd be poisoning you. Um, so I had multiple poisonings or overdoses, if you would, before this, but they were sporadic, kind of spread out. And now it's incredibly concentrated. So I had two overdoses in 24 hours. Two and in 24 hours, two? Wow. Yes. And uh, that's actually become more and more common now with, with the, the rise of fentanyl being in everything. But back then it wasn't nearly as, as, as um, problematic as it is now. So I, I had the same shift of first responders twice in 24 hours and uh, they were completely blown away. 
And they said, Nate, I don't think you're going to make it a third time. At that point in my life, you know, I was homeless. I had burned every bridge. And um, I said, that's okay. I said, don't come. If you get a call for a third time, just let me die. Well, they decided they weren't going to accept that as, as a reasonable answer. And they called a man who is to this day, one of my best friends. Um, he was a narcotics detective. And I, somebody who was living a life of crime through and through, was not keen on speaking to this man. Sure. However, yeah, I mean. You're probably thinking prison, right? You're, th- you're thinking prison or something like that, I, I imagine. I'm thinking I'm going to get thrown in handcuffs and roughed up. Yeah. No, <laughs> and rightfully so. Um, understood, yeah. So he comes in, though, and he just sat down next to me, and he didn't read me the riot act. He sat down and he said, tell me how you got to this point that you're overdosing twice in 24 hours and you're telling these paramedics and firefighters that you want to die. And I wasn't quite sure what to say. You're so like, are you, talking. are you serious? You actually want to know me? <laughs> right? Yeah. I couldn't tell if he was messing with me or not. Um, but he was very genuine and he was serious. And to this day, he says that he was told to go to that house when he heard the call over the radio because he was on his way home had his vest he was taking his vest off um was calling his wife about dinner and said i gotta go to this i gotta go to this i don't know why but i have to go and we just talked for two hours and he showed me that i had value and that he cared and he kind of bared his soul to me and said nate i'm tired of putting people your age i was 24 i was 23 in, in body bags. I'm tired of talking to parents um, after the fact and crying with them and consoling them, going to funerals. I want to try something different with you. And he said, we had a man come and do an in-service with us just last week who works at a treatment center, and we're going to try sending you to treatments instead of jail. And of course, I was blown away by that. <laughs> Had you had you tried expecting. any treatment? Have you tried any recovery attempts uh, in your addiction before that? Absolutely, I had. Um, they say the average number of times someone has to try to get sober is seven before they make it. And this was about my 10th time Ten. trying. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Ten. Yeah. So I had had multiple periods of sobriety and had relapsed. Um, it's, it's, it's one of those disorders where people relapse fairly consistently, but, um, so what was it about the 10th time? What is it about number 10 for you that five years later, here you are the executive director uh, of a recovery and treatment center? I had had enough. I was finally done. I had the, the, the pain had become greater than the high, um, I had lost multiple friends to overdoses at this point. I had lost friends to being killed in drug deals. I had lost friends to suicide. I had been homeless twice now. And also this man who didn't know me, who sat down, who was a police officer, who believed in me, took the time to get to know me and offer me help was kind of a, 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 a bright light moment for me, if you would, where I felt where this was all coming together. I had survived two overdoses and this man had come in and sat down and offered me this chance out of nowhere where he could have taken me to jail. I knew that there was something bigger at work here 
And so I took that opportunity and I went to treatment and I was just so grateful. And one of the things we're taught in recovery is uh, gratitude is action. You know, it's, it's not just something that we sit there and talk about. Gratitude means taking action. So I went to treatment and that was the first time I really got on my knees and um, talked to God and said that I couldn't do it on my own and that I needed help. Um, and that's one thing that we talk a lot about. It's not about willpower. It's about surrendering and saying, this is more powerful than I am. I need people around me and I need um, a power greater than myself to intervene on my behalf. And I did that and it made a huge difference for me. But I also heard, and this is really important for people who are listening, who are waiting for some sign to come down from heaven saying, congratulations, you hit rock bottom. You can get sober now. Recovery isn't for people who want it or need it. It's people who do it. I learned I didn't have to feel like doing it all the time. I learned that I didn't have to live and die by my feelings. Um, I could just do it. And that putting one foot in front of the other, one day at a time, one small step at a time, was the truly the answer. And so are you paying forward every day, essentially? You are dealing with people who were like you every day? Yes, I am. And we're taught a lot that uh, we can only keep what we have by giving it away. So somebody sat down with me and gave me a chance when they didn't have to and gave me their time freely. I, every single day, try to have a moment where I can talk to somebody and offer them a chance to get help. Um, And I have people that work for me now and they do the same thing and we talk about it often is do something for somebody who can't do anything for you in return. And you don't necessarily have to tell anybody about it or post it on Facebook or anything like that. But that's really how I believe mixed with, you know, some legislation changes. We turn this epidemic around, you know, we don't have to accept things the way they are. And I think people coming from a place of experience truly sitting with those who are struggling and helping them and telling them there's a way out. If I made it, you can make it is a huge part of it. Last question for you. What do you tell someone who may be listening, who knows someone who's an addict and they don't know what to do? I always tell people, reach out to somebody who, you know, or uh, dive deep into your network of people and try to find somebody who uh, is recommended by friends or family Um, who has been there, who can speak to that person, but, you know, always show the person love and compassion and try to understand where they're coming from. Um, But also, you know, educate yourself on boundaries on how to help and not to hurt. I think a lot of people think that they're helping and oftentimes they're not necessarily helping. They may be hurting the individual by enabling. So I think it's really, really important to um, always make sure that you're reaching out to others for help to talk to the person because you want someone who can talk to them, not at them, right? So somebody who can identify with the struggle that they've gone through. That makes complete sense. Nate Mollering, Executive Vice President at Fort Wayne Recovery and Allendale Treatment in Indiana, a recovering addict himself. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me so much. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch.